Welcome to On Air, the CFM podcast. For over 50 years, CFM Distributors has been your leading HVACR wholesale distributor in the Midwest. In this HVACR podcast, you'll hear from employee owners of CFM Distributors who will provide you with stories, experiences, resources, and ideas to better your business. You can find more information and episodes on our website at cfmdistributors.com or email us at info at cfmkc.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to On Air, the CFM podcast. I am Brad Telker, Vice President of Commercial and Applied Equipment Sales at CFM, and I am here with my good friend, Hank Kudelik. What's going on, everybody? This is Hank Kudelik with CFM up in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm a sales engineer, a part of the Applied Systems Group, and I am pumped to be here today. So, Hank, I was just uh, getting ready to get prepped for the podcast and started to think about it. Is this your is this your first time hosting or or on a podcast? It is. I've uh, I've listened to quite a few podcasts and never been a part of one. So I'm I'm pumped to be here. I'm excited to uh, to create some content for you all. Cool, man. Yeah, these are these are a ton of fun. Um, I think this is CFM's 10th or 12th podcast, and um, I've been on a few nice. of them. Another, they're a ton of fun, and so excited to, to chat with you today about a couple of topics. So, and, and preps for this, I know we've had a couple of we had a bunch of different ideas and different things that that we wanted to talk about, um, and so we've got two different topics that we want to cover today. And, and basically, the ideas came from sort of a, an Instagram video series that we started. And um, Hank, I know you've done um, a bunch of those videos. How have those been going and, and what topics um, are you most excited to, to talk about today? Yeah, they've been, they've been going great. We've been um, using Instagram and, and posting them to LinkedIn as well. But basically, 60-second tip of the days. Um, quick tips that that we see on the design side of um, the design and installation side of different um, HVAC equipment. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's kind of hard to pack everything into 60 seconds and uh, we try and get it done. But I think this podcast is a good outlet to uh, expand on some of those topics. Uh, so two of the ones that I've covered so far on Instagram are um, indoor air quality. So comparing uh, UV lights versus ionizers, seeing what's good and bad about both. Um, and then another topic that we covered was a, a VRF topic that concerns the ASHRAE 15 standard about the refrigeration concentration limit or RCL about um, designing a, a VRF system. So Hank, I'm kind of curious because it piqued my interest. You mentioned it's hard to get the video in in 60 seconds. So I, I, there's been a few that I've done too that that were some some have been easy, but I'm kind of curious how many attempts do you have to take to get it within <laughs> seconds on some of these? Um, the first couple videos that I made, I wasn't used to doing it, and it took me more than I'd like to admit. Um, but for some of uh, like the last two topics that I just mentioned, um, I probably had six or seven tries each trying to fit everything into the video just because I'd run over a minute. And so you'll see that I'm talking very fast in both of those um, in order to get it under a minute and for it to fit on Instagram. Um, and unfortunately, there's quite a bit of content that uh, I have to leave out, but I think it's good. It kind of opens the door for questions and to get people talking about it. So, yeah. Um, so, if you're, so if you're listening first, go follow apply at applied CFM on Instagram and realize that 
although it looks like it takes one take, sometimes <laughs> we're putting together a massive amount of effort to get this content to you. And it's interesting because when you look at, you know, sometimes we'll rewrite, we'll write out what we're going to talk about ahead of time, and it's one or two sentences to, to get the point across. And then you go to do the video and you kind of elaborate and you kind of add a few things. And next thing you know, it's a minute and a half. And all of a sudden we're kind of over our, our rule of thumb to try to keep it under a minute. But Absolutely. Anyway, let's um, let's kind of get into the two topics. So which, where do you want to start, Hank? Yeah, let's start with the, um, the indoor air quality. So <clears throat> we were talking about, um, I had a I had a customer actually re actually request for me to create uh, a 60 second video regarding uh, UV lights versus ionizers uh, to use as an indoor air quality. Obviously, that's a super popular topic right now with um, COVID and every um, and the pandemic going on. So a lot of businesses, a lot of residential um, places want to have improved indoor air quality. And uh, people really aren't sure the best way to do it. And two of the most popular avenues is going with UV lights or going with ionizers. And if you go look at promotional pieces for either one, they're always bashing the other. Um, and so it's it's interesting to take a dive into both. So to get started, um, I guess with UV lights. So UV lights are typically installed inside of an air handler and and facing right on top of a evaporator coil inside. Um, UV lights emit UVC lights, which are dangerous for human eyes to look at. Uh, it's it'll it'll harm your skin over time. There's a more um, a less harmful version in tanning beds, which um, can can obviously people use, but these are more intense. And the purpose of the UV light is to uh, eliminate um, organic materials or volatile organic compounds. Uh, UV lights will kill VOCs, vo volatile organic compounds, and uh, stuff like bacteria, fungus, uh, anything that's living that's in your airstream, the UVC lights will kill. And you put them on the evaporator coil on the wet side, so um, downstream of the evaporator coil, and it will keep your coil free of bacteria and viruses, mold, um, things that plug up your coil, and it keeps your coil very clean and keeps your airstream free of those VOCs. Um, and it's very effective at doing that. And Hank, there's, um, I, I did some research on this too, and there's like an effectiveness or an effective rate of different percentages, 80, 90, 95%. And, and that's, is that calculated based on essentially how many UV lights are on the coil, how far they are distance from each other? What all is involved in that calculation? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much got it spot on. So it's essentially how many coils or how many UV lights, individual light bulbs uh, you're putting on the, the coil. So the more, um, the more densely populated your UV lights are compared to the square footage of the coil, the more effective uh, the, UV, the UV lights are going to be. It's it's essentially the the more light that covers the coil, the higher the percentages, and that factors in on how far away the lights are from the coil, um, the quantity of lights on the coil, um, and basically how well you're covering the the square footage of the evaporator coil. Um, and and 
UV lights do a great job at what they're meant to do, um, but what they are not meant to do is capture any materials that are in your air. So um, even the, the volatile organic compounds, the VOCs that they're killing, uh, they're not capturing it. They're, they're making them inert, they're making them ineffective, but it doesn't do anything to capture it. So those particles will still be floating in your airstream um, and UVC lights are also not meant for non-organic compounds, things like dust, pollen, particulates in the air. Uh, the UVC lights don't do anything to combat those. Um, so that's kind of where the other side of the coin, the ionizers come in. Um, the ionizers work completely differently than the UVC lights. Uh, you typically put them either before the, the evaporator coil inside the air handler or downstream of the air handler in the ductwork. And you can you can mount the ionizer either outside the ductwork, outside the air handler with the ionis with the ionizer um, points being inside the stream, or you can mount the entire unit inside the stream. Um, but what they do is emit positive and negative ions into your weight into your um, airstream, uh, thousands and thousands of these ions. And the ions will attach to tiny particulates in the air. And a lot of part particles will be positively charged. A lot of particles will be negatively charged. And because of that, they'll become attracted in the airstream. And once enough particles are clumped together, they'll be too heavy to float around in your air and they will fall down um, onto surfaces around the space. So tabletops, carpet, drapes, walls, whatever you see, um, all those particulates will, will fall into the airstream and fall into the space. So they'll need to be vacuumed up, cleaned up, uh, what have you. Or um, if they're still in the airstream, they can be captured by the filtration system of your air handler. Um, but the, ion, the ionization works on both organic and non-organic materials. So it's really good at capturing smoke particles, um, pollen, dust, and also bacteria, viruses, mold, all that in the air will be captured by the ionization and uh, dropped out of the airstream. So it's good for both of them. But again, it's an ionizer itself is not meant to capture any of the particles in the air. You need, for both instances, you need filters in your airstream in order to capture the actual particles and get them out of the airstream. Um, the ionization just allows it to be easier to capture those things or to clean it up. Um, when you are, once it's done doing its job, essentially. Okay. So it kind of sounds like between ionizers, UV lights, filtration, they're all they're all designed for indoor air quality, but they're the products themselves are almost apples and oranges, and they kind of you you can they're additive. In other words, in a perfect world with money being free, you'd have You'd have all of those added on there together. You'd have UV lights, ionizers, skin filtration. Um, it's not necessarily one or the other. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think the best case scenario is have a solid uh, a solid filter bank with with highly effective filters. You're going to have uh, a customly made uh, UV light rack that goes across your evaporator coil uh, to effectively kill all the VOCs on the evaporator coil and then also have ionization in your airstream to get rid of the non-organic compounds. And those three, those three items tailored together will give you um, a pretty ideal indoor air quality for your space.
Cool, man. I think that I think that was a good uh, a good recap. Obviously, the the Instagram video. I think you ended up doing that one in under two minutes, which is hard to believe. But um, it was actually that one was a little over a minute. <laughs> but if if you're listening to this and you want to see, most people have seen UV lights and know what they look like. Um, but but even if you haven't, or if you want to see uh, what the ionizer ionizer looks like, go to our Instagram page at Applied CFM and uh, scroll down and you'll, you'll see a picture um, of Hank and the title will say, uh, I think UV lights versus ionizers. And you can see what these, what these things look like. So anyway, cool. I think that was a good recap on that one. And then I think you had one other topic uh, that we want to talk about. Yep. So the, the other topic is uh, it pertains to VRF systems um, and it is an ASHRAE 15 standard that talks about the refrigeration concentration limit of um, of a system so the the standard states that the maximum rcl or refrigeration concentration limit uh, is 26 pounds of r410a refrigerant per 1000 cubic feet of room volume of occupied spaces so it's a mouthful essentially what that means is if you have a if you have a vrf system that is serving multiple occupied spaces the smallest room that a 26 pound refrigerant system can occupy is a thousand cubic feet. So if you have say a 15 ton VRF system, right? And you have a bunch of occupied spaces that it is serving. If the total refrigerant in the system, adding up all the refrigerant in your piping, the refrigerant in your condensing units and evaporator coils, if you add all that refrigerant up and it equals 26 pounds, the smallest room, the smallest individual room that that system can be attached to is a thousand cubic feet. And that not only includes the evaporator coils, so your indoor units, if you have refrigerant piping that goes past a room, inside of a room, you also have to take that room into consideration. Um, the reason why that this is a, a concern, the reason why ASHRAE has this standard is if you have a large refrigeration system that's connected to a very small room and in that small room you have a refrigerant leak all of that refrigerant could leak all the refrigerant in the system could leak into that small space and displace all of the oxygen and if you have that room occupied by people with the oxygen displaced it could be um, a very big problem so that's um, and, hank, and hank that's a ratio so if i understand it correctly it's exactly so if it was you know, 50, uh, 52 pounds, then it would be 2,000 cubic feet and everything in between. And if it was 80 pounds, it would be upwards of, you know, 3,000 plus square, excuse me, cubic feet. And exactly. In between. Okay. Yeah. And if you go to the, if you go to our um, Instagram page, I actually draw out the equation you can use to apply this ratio to your system. Um, and it's kind of hard to do over over a podcast, I think. But if you check it out, um, it, it'll make a lot of sense to you. Um, and then, so, then there's different rooms right, for um, in, an institutional facility, and then and then uh, a certain amount where I think you're you do not have to follow um, that rule, correct? Yeah. So an, an institutional an institutional occupancy um, essentially is any building where the occupants of the building not get out of the get out of the building without help um so be it um be it like a hospital um a retirement facility uh, an asylum any space that 
the occupants require assistance leaving the building, then the, uh, the rule is quote unquote cut in half. So it's 13 pounds per 1000 cubic feet, but that means that the rule is more strict. So um, you, can, you can have less refrigerant to the same amount of space um, essentially. And then also if your system has a total refrigerant charge of 6.6 pounds or less, the entire rule does not apply to you and uh, you don't have to worry about it. Cool. So what, one of the interesting things that I've, I've kind of found looking at this and studying it as, as we do more VRF is how easily this can be overlooked. So I'm just kind of curious, is there, do you have like a checklist when you're designing VRF? How do you make sure what's a, what's a good tip, I guess, for, contractors or design engineers when they're looking at jobs to make sure that they're they're paying attention to this yeah absolutely so it, it's kind of um on my on my mind up front so say you have say you have a vrf system that's uh, supplying office space and you have a bunch of small individual one-person offices uh, you want to avoid connecting that same vrf system with say a large group meeting room uh, where you're going to have 50 plus people in it because you're going to require a lot of load for that large group meeting room probably going to have to have a lot of refrigerant piping going across that large group meeting room and your total refrigerant charge can get really large really quickly and if that same system is also connected to the small offices those small offices are probably going to be too small for your refrigeration system so up front i always try and separate those types of spaces um, and then once once that initial design is established i'll go in design the entire vrf system lay out all the piping and our selection software actually comes up with the total refrigeration charge based on refrigerant pipe size and length um, and then i can go back and double check to measure the square or the the cubic foot footage of the smallest room i have apply it to this ratio and see if we're in trouble um, and if you are there's some different things uh, you can do um, on a design standpoint, you can, uh, instead of having like a ceiling cassette in one of the small offices, you can have a ducted, um, a ducted unit serve two of the offices. And so if the drop ceiling above those two offices uh, is now in play, you can use both of the offices square or cubic footage together uh, in the rule instead of a single office. Um, and then there are some other things, say that you install a system and after the fact figure out that you have you're breaching this protocol um, there are things you can do you can um, undercut a door you could put in um, some louvers between two rooms uh, you could put um, louvers in your drop ceiling to make the the space above your drop ceiling count for the volume of your room um, there are some tips and tricks you can do to uh, make make sure that if there were to be a, a refrigerant leak the refrigerant has other places to go other than that small room essentially yeah cool well hey um i think that was first of all it was an awesome recap uh, if, if you're a if you're a contractor or engineer or owner or anyone in our market listening to this podcast we have actually have a great um what we call it a design training module we go through it's called the 10 deadly sins of vrf design and this is one of the deadly sins is to avoid or to not um, to not pay attention to or or to not design around this refrigerant concentration limit actually 15 
um, reach out to us and we'd love to do a little uh, training session with you. It takes probably 20, 25, 30 minutes max. And it's a great training session if you're um, designing or laying out um, BRF systems. So Hank, is there anything else? Anything else that you wanted to add about um, either of the topics today? I think I about covered it. Um, if, obviously, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, if you want to reach me, my cell phone is 402-415-4806. Uh, you can reach me at that any time. Call me or text me. And if you, <clears throat> if you want to email me, my email is h.k.u.t.i.l.e.k at cfmkc.com. Great. And if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can text me or call me on my cell phone, which is 913-980-3454, or you can email me at b.telker, T-E-L-K-E-R at cfmkc.com, or you can call our main office at 816-842-5400. And you can ask for uh, the first available sales engineer and we can help you answer any of your uh, questions on anything we talked about or anything that we work on. So, um, Hank, man, had a blast. Thank you for, for joining. And um, to everyone that listened in today, we really appreciate your, your time and attention. Hopefully, we hope this brought you a, a ton of value today and um, enjoy the rest of your week and weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks a bunch, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Thanks, Hank. Alrighty. Thank you for listening today. You can tune in each Tuesday right here for new episodes. If you'd like more information, visit CFM's website at cfmdistributors.com or email us at info at cfmkc.com.